Hello, I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is the Tuesday, September 22nd edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Today's topics are making sense of the referee's ruling in the Jessica Rose Clark and Sarah Alper fight, and I think I got this one. Kamzat Chemaev has made me a believer. UFC sponsors are mostly silent on Colby Covington's remarks at UFC Vegas 11, and that is not a surprise. And Michael Bisping pissed off Ed Herman, and to that I say good. That means Bisping isn't putting his friendships ahead of his role as a UFC commentator, and that's something that cannot be said of all UFC commentators. On with the show. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around the what went down during the Jessica Rose Clark and Sarah Alper fight with the pause in the action, and I think I've I think I've got it, and I think I was maybe misinterpreting things. So the question was, what should have happened after Chris Tyone stopped the fight? I'm sorry, paused the fight. And I was unsure because there's nothing that specifically says in the rules in Nevada, where is it here, Um, NAC 467682, what a referee will should do if they go to the instant replay and they find something out that is like the if the, like the strike was legal or the strike was illegal or the referee made an error and so what i was looking at i think was that above that so that's 467.6825 is is about instant replay Everything above that in the rule is about stoppages. And so when the NSAC made a statement on the Jessica Rose Clark and Sarah Alper fight, and this is from Aaron Brodstetter's Twitter, he the message he got was, it was a legal strike. They paused the fight because they thought it was a knee to a grounded opponent. They went to the replay and confirmed that it was a legal strike. The fight was never never officially stopped. Sarah Alper was asked if she could continue and if she wanted to continue, and she said yes. Under NSAC rules, the bout can continue after the replay since the fight was only temporarily paused and never officially stopped. And I think my confusion was I was considering the referee going to the tape, which according to the rules is allowed at any time during a contest, which contradicts what the UFC says, but what the UFC says in its broadcast doesn't override what's written in the NSAC rules so the broadcasters that needs to be adjusted because a written rule should be what we go by not by what's on the UFC broadcast because the NSAC is the is responsible for the referees not the UFC so the UFC really has no say in that the rules the rule as written in the rule book anyway so the rule at 467.6825 is the referee may at any time during a contest or exhibition call a timeout to consult with officials of the commission or to view replay footage. And that's what was done here. So it was paused. He called a timeout to look and see if it was a legal or illegal strike. So my confusion was that above that it says at the conclusion of a contest or ex- exhibition stopped immediately because of an injury to an unarmed combatant 
pursuant to NAC 467.718, a referee may review a replay if available in order to determine whether the injury in question was caused by a legal blow or a foul. If the determination is made that the injury was a result of, and then it goes over the legal, illegal, or accidental strikes. And so my confusion here was that I saw replay there and then looked at what it says is the legal blow intentional or accidental and I took that for the pause but this is that that is about a stoppage that's a stoppage if someone gets say Tyone would have stopped that fight and then found out it was a legal strike well then the fight would have been ruled a TKO because it was a legal a legal blow so at that point Jessica Rose Clark would have won and that is at if he would have stopped the fight, called the fight, but he didn't. He called a pause in the action to consult the footage. Should he have stopped it? That's a different question. He probably should have stopped it, but he didn't. So I think I'm I'm 99.9% sure I'm interpreting this correctly and that Tyone did, did do the right thing by the rule book. Now, if you want to ask, did Tyone do the right thing by not calling the fight when the strike landed that's a separate question that has nothing to do with the replay so i'm pretty sure like i said 99.9 percent sure that tyone did the right thing here as far as the ed herman thing i'm still unsure because i think tyone he paused it for a legal what was a legal strike and gave Herman time to recover when he shouldn't have. So what I think should have happened there was that Tyone should have paused the action, consulted the replay, and then restarted the fight when he found out it was his error that gave Herman the timeout. So that, I think, was a was Tyone's mistake, was that he either ignored the replay, because I saw that you, there is, that I didn't know if there were screens in the uh, apex, and I saw last week that there are, so he either saw that and ignored it or he didn't see it. I'm going to I have a hard time believing he didn't look at the screen while Rodriguez's team was yelling at him because you can hear that and he tells him to be quiet or enough or something of that nature. So I I think that he went with the fact that he called a low blow and he just stuck with that even though it was not a low blow. So that I think is somewhere something that needs to be worked on and that probably that probably might need to be added to the rules because it's not clear what happens in the case of a referee error, which this was. But as far as the Alper Rose Clark, by the way the rules are written here, since he just paused for a replay, I think ninety nine point nine percent sure and I'm gonna ask the NAC this tomorrow, or I'll send the email tonight and get an answer tomorrow, is that Tyone was correct in this one in the Alper Jessica Rose Clark fight, but he was in air in the Ed Herman fight because he either he didn't look at the replay or he ignored the replay. So I think I got a handle on that now. And I think one was right and one was wrong. And I will follow up to make 100% sure uh, I consult with the NAC on Wednesday. All right. I've been delaying this for a couple days just because time wasn't good, but I'm going to talk about uh, Hamzat Chemaev and how stupid I was. I thought Gerald Marshart was going to give him a, uh, uh, some trouble. He did not. He gave him zero trouble because he got knocked out in one punch. It was pretty astounding how Chemaev 
just disposed of Marshart with ease. And so it's three fights for him now in the UFC. And of those three opponents he's faced, he's got hit by one significant strike. So of course he can fight every day if he wanted to. The only thing that would have prevented him from fighting more is if he would have uh, hurt himself somehow. Because he didn't, you know, one strike in three fights, pretty goddamn impressive. I don't know if that's a UFC record, but I, I gotta think it is. So I thought Marshawn was going to give him a problem. He didn't. So we know he can wrestle. We know he's good on the ground in his submission game. He's heavy, heavy top game. And now we know he's got some some real power. And that was at middleweight. So I'm going to assume since he has not much of a problem cutting the welterweight, that that power is definitely going to come down to 170 pounds with him. And unless he has got some kind of glass jaw, which I don't think he has, because if he would have, I would think that that would have at least been tested or exposed before he got to the UFC. So I got to I gotta assume that he can take, at least take enough of a punch that he can work uh, his his own offense on a counter of some sort. So I, I'm I'm just I'm on board now. I'm on board. I wasn't on board until the Marsh. I I was on board, but not a hundred percent on board to the Marshart till until he beat up Marshart um, on Saturday. Uh, so we still got to see him get really hit, and if he can work through maybe a flurry or get somebody get him in trouble, and he can work out of that, but. If he can avoid that, which he has been, obviously, then what what what's there what's there to question really? I don't see him as a Johnny Walker because he I don't think he is as I guess I would say lighthearted as Johnny Walker. Uh, Johnny Walker seems to have more fun in the in the cage than uh, Jemayev. I think once that door locks, Jemayev is all business. Johnny Walker, eh, not so much. But I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not watch a Johnny Walker fight either. But I don't think you can compare their trajectory or their skill level. And I also don't think that you should at this point com- compare Chimaev to Habib because while the ground game might be similar, that striking game uh, is not similar. I don't remember Habib one punching somebody, and I also remember Habib has a, a tendency to get his head out above his feet and and really lean into strikes dangerously sometimes i don't think uh Chimaev is going to do that i'd be i'd be shocked so i'm gonna change course here and and say that he is uh the real deal is he the most special fighter in the ufc has ever seen that that that's too early to say uh, daniel cormier said he's probably he was picking him to be a two division champion by next year i think that's also too early to say i don't think he has a skill level that compares with at least striking i haven't seen enough to compare his skill level without asanya's yet that's for sure but um i'm not looking forward to what he might do to, to damian maya i know that i think unless maya can get on his back early and just just tire him out and choke him out somehow then then Chimaya's going to win that fight. But I think if he beats Maya and then he gets another win, at, if he goes to middleweight, gets another win there, then he's um, got a good chance of being in the top 15 in both divisions and see what happens. I think until he loses or until he struggles, 
that Dana White's going to let him ride out and fight in both divisions and keep fighting as much as possible. So, yeah, uh, he he just looked he's looked great in all three fights, and I think the only thing that we need to see now is if someone can get him in trouble and have him work through it. But that no one's done it. Got hit once in three UFC fights. That's that's damn impressive. Damn impressive. So, yeah, I'm on board. Say ninety. 8% on board. Still want to see that one thing happen before I'm all the way in. So I'd also, I want to see who can do that too because that's going to be impressive the way he's been, Jemiah's been fighting. That also is going to be impressive. So Tim, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing the name right because I also work there. Tim Bissell from Bloody Elbow reached out to all of the UFC sponsors whose logos appeared either on athletes or on the octagon surface. Uh, at UFC Vegas 11 and asked them to respond to Colby Covington's remarks. Only one of them gave a statement that actually addressed the issue, and that was Reebok. And they wrote, Reebok is the uniform provider for the UFC. However, we do not sponsor Colby Covington. We do not agree with the sentiments he expressed and stand firm in our belief that Black Lives Matter. We stand with athletes and communities who are fighting for change, which as statements go... Good statement, but we also know that the Reebok deal is ending, so probably a pretty easy statement for them to make. Monster Energy gave a no no comment on a, quote, non-sponsored athlete. Uh, they stand by, and they wrote, we stand by the statements on our website regarding equality, diversity, and inclusion. DoorDash wrote, DoorDash stands with our employees and community members to fight injustice, inequality, and discrimination, and we remain committed to using our voice and platform to empower local economies to support equality, which doesn't even address the fact that Colby Covington said anything. So that just sounds like a kind of pat statement that they send out when somebody has a question about DoorDash and, and their commitment to equality and justice. And what else does it say here? discrimination. The other sponsors included Modelo, uh, Nemiroff Vodka, Howlerhead, which I don't even know what that is, Manscaped, Jimmy John's, Toyo Tires, and DraftKings. I, while I like the fact that Reebok actually took the time to address it and respond, um, to borrow from George St. Pierre, not impressed because words are words and action is action. So you can condemn it you can say you don't agree with it. You can say whatever you want, but no one's doing anything there. There's no action. So the words are useless. If there's no action, nothing's getting done. So it's easy to say that. It's difficult to do something about it. If any of these sponsors really wanted to show that they disagreed, they would make the statement and then pull their sponsorship. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Even Reebok, who is a lame duck sponsor at this point, they would have the easiest time to pull out of this deal. They're not. They're not doing so. So while I, like I said, while I appreciate that they made the effort to make it look like they care, it's an empty effort because it's just words. And I have to think that if they really wanted out, they could get out because this is by definition, hate speech. So I'm sure there's a clause somewhere in these deals that lets uh, the sponsor out of the deal if the fighter or anyone in the UFC reflects poorly on the sponsor. So 
I don't see that happening because I think these sponsors know that for the most part, I think they feel that the UFC fans were probably receptive to Covington's message. It's because I think if somebody in, let's say, the NBA or the NFL made these made the same statements as Covington made, I think you would find sponsors, while maybe not big, the biggest sponsors, I think you would find some sponsors at least cutting cutting out of that. But you're not going to find that in the UFC because I just think that the sponsors know that this will A, blow over, and B, Covington's remarks probably have a high rate of approval from some UFC fans. So that's just how they weigh it out, I guess. I don't agree with that. I think that someone should take a stand on this. I just don't think they're gonna. And I think that's sad, but that's kind of the world we're living in right now as MMA fans, isn't it? Ed Herman broke his silence on the the fight with Mike Rodriguez and he lashed out at Michael Bisping, which I felt was a little weird because what he said was Bisping, I think, is kind of a punk because to my face, he acts like he's my buddy and then kind of came after me and made me look bad and talk some trash. So it's kind of messed up. If he wants to come out of retirement and throw the gloves on, we can do that. Well, I think that's a little silly. I understand Herman's frustration, but he needs to look at this in a bigger picture. Bisping is, if he's friendly with Herman in his role, out, I mean, outside of his role as a UFC commentator, then I would believe that's genuine. But if he if he does his role as a commentator here, as an employee of the UFC, and he doesn't like what he sees in Herman, then Bisping has an obligation to call things the way he sees them. And this is one reason I have a problem with fighters doing commentary, especially and I don't, I don't think this is the case here, but especially fighters who are commentating on fights where their teammates or good friends are, are fighting. And this is more to fighters who are still active fighters. So Bisping maybe gets out of this a little bit, but I've seen Dominic Cruz be a homer for his, for his uh, teammates. Uh, Daniel Cormier has done it. Obviously, Bisping doesn't really care here because he's calling it the way he sees it. And if he's a friend of Herman's, then I, I applaud Bisping for doing this because his job is to do just what he did here. He saw that the fight, that the blow was legal and that Herman got hit in the stomach and not the, not a low blow. And I also think, I also think that Herman was genuinely hurt, but he was hurt by a shot to the the stomach, not to a, a low blow. So that's what Bisping said. Did he use maybe language that was a little meaner than he could have? Yeah, but I think that's part of Bisping's appeal. I think that's what the UFC pays him for. He does not hold his tongue, and that's his job, and he did his job. So I think Herman needs to separate that. I just wanted to uh, remark on that because I think Bisping did the right, right thing, and I think Herman, when he cools down, will realize that Bisping needs to separate friendship and job and he did that, and I think everyone needs to respect that for these guys. And the the commentators who don't do that, I don't think are doing their jobs, at least not doing their jobs as well as they could or should. And on that, I'm going to call it a night. I want to think about this Ryan Hall thing a little more before I comment on it because it just I need to wrap my head around it more because it's kind of crazy. The whole Hitler thing is kind of crazy. So I just want to get a little more grasp on that before I uh, comment on it. So bear with me on that front.
And until tomorrow then, stay safe. 